Let the meditation of our hearts and the words of our mouths be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. In December of 2021, Pew Research released a poll that continues to show the decline of those of us who call ourselves Christian. In fact, one of the highlights of this poll is the fact that there are more nuns, meaning people who do not claim a specific religious identity or subscribe to uh, the institution of religion, the number of nuns have increased significantly over the past 10 years. Doing a deeper dive into the analysis behind those numbers, one thing that stood out to many is the fact that Christianity is now being perceived as a tribe. Now, the notion of a tribe is pretty problematic. Amy Chua, in her text, Political Tribes, Group Instinct, and the Fate of Nations, posits that human beings are wired to be tribal. In fact, she goes on to describe many of the conflicts that we have had in the world and some of our recent foreign policy failures with war to be a consequence of us not paying attention to the distinct tribal nature of conflicts, whether it be the Sunni-Shia divide in Iraq or the fact that a distinct minority um, interest in Vietnam were capitalists and we, send, we tended to, to side with them over the majority Vietnamese culture. Whatever that may be, Chua goes on to describe the fact that contemporary America, our country, has also become divided into tribes. I mean, she plays on a lot of J.D. Vance's hillbilly elegy when she talks about the fact that, you know, America is now perceived as distinct tribes with the coastal elites on one hand and the rest of America on the other. Now, tribes are usually marked by cohesion. They're socially, ethnically, politically cohesive. They work from the fact that they have a mutual foe. And having a mutual foe means that they need to be more territorial and protect their own interests. So they erect boundaries to protect their borders. Tribes are also marked by a scarcity mentality. And because they operate out of a scarcity mentality, there is a lot of mistrust and a lack of empathy for those who are outside the tribe. 
perhaps a sober, yet real understanding of humanity is that we are, or we possess, tribal instincts. It is to that pigeonhole or definition that a lot of people consider the church to be. Now, Scripture teaches us that humanity was created in the image and likeness of God, and the intention of God for all of created order was to live in deep harmony, in deep community. The created order was intended for our mutual flourishing and was created out of God's abundance and love for the world. That is what the ideal of the created nature is. And from that derives a very scriptural understanding of what communities are to be. Communities are not necessarily ethnically cohesive groups. Communities are marked by a common understanding, an overarching purpose, an overarching language, a deep uh, moral perspective based on mutual affection, and a call towards commonness and abundance rather than scarcity, a call to peace, rather than a call to take up a warrior mindset. So today I'd like to posit that contrary to what the world may perceive us to be, the church at its best, as intended by God, is not a tribe. Rather, the church is a community of broken and yet redeemed individuals centered on the values of being followers of Jesus Christ. So in the midst of overarching tribal passions that that sort of run rampant in the world and in our country, I would like to posit that our call is to grow deeper into community. How do we do this? I think there are three ways. One, it's about knowing our story. Secondly, it's about knowing our purpose. Thirdly, it's about taking down our barriers. And it is to those three areas that would, I would like to focus our lessons for today. So let's take a look at the first thing, knowing our story. Now the first lesson is from the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was written in the context uh, of the rebuilding of the city walls of Jerusalem and the temple. Remember, the people of Jerusalem were in exile in 586 BCE. That is when the Babylonians went and invaded, and there was an exile of people all over the world, basically. And Ezra and Nehemiah are writing two generations afterwards, and they're calling people back into the city of Jerusalem. The people who are in exile are being called back. Now, as they are being called back, the, super, the infrastructure of the wall is in place. The infrastructure of the sign and symbol of the community, which is the temple, is in place. 
What is not in place is the fact that over two generations, people have lost touch with their story. They have lost touch with, with what makes them a distinct community. They have lost touch with the notion of the exodus, of God's redemption, of the covenant. And now Ezra, Nehemiah, and all the people gathered today in our lesson, they are reading from the old law, reminding people of who they are, what their core identity is. It is a relation, uh, it is a transmission as to what makes them the covenant community, a special people, a consecrated people. And when the people hear this, they weep. Perhaps some of them weep because they feel a sense of guilt, of not living into community. But more likely, they weep because they recognize that they have lost touch with what was given to them, their origin story, what set them apart as a people. And, one day, and once they come to terms with what, what sets them apart, they are renewed and engaged and desire to follow into that path. Beloved, we are in a form of exile. This COVID-19, which is, we are basically in its third year. Many of us are lost. I know sometimes I am in a fog as to what we are to do, how we are to be. We feel so exiled from community. We feel so exiled from our loved ones. Many of us, you know, have still yet to see our loved ones who are abroad have lost touch. In the midst of this exile, even in the context of the church, yes, we have the superstructure of being able to stream. We have the superstructure of the building. But do we, are we becoming more and more familiar with the story of what sets us apart as a community? As the sign and symbol of the, of the kingdom of God. So the first thing that, we, that, that I posit is that in order for us to be a community, we need to be familiar with our grammar, the grammar of prayer, the grammar of scripture, the grammar of the prayer book. That's what separates us and demarcates us and binds us together as a community. Secondly, Knowing our purpose. What is the purpose of the Christian community? I posit that the purpose of the Christian community is to be a dedicated group of followers or disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus very much embodied what it means to follow him. In today's gospel lesson, he reads from the book of Isaiah, he says that he has come to fulfill the promise of proclamation of good news to the poor, sight to the blind, release to the captives. It is Jesus who offers this world, who offers us a deep perspective of what good news is amidst the divisions that divide us as a world. We are all in one way. We are all captive. 
to something. It could be the sins of omission, commission. It could be the, the sins, that, sins that lurk within us, the darkness that, that sometimes gravitate, that pulls us. Sometimes it is we are captive to our prejudices, our biases in life. Sometimes we are so blinded that we can't see the needs of other people around us. And it is in the midst of that that God in Jesus intervenes and offers us the good news that he has come to release us from that captivity, release us from that spiritual blindness, and give us deep and profound hope. In fact, Jesus invites us to journey into the dream of the living God in that proclamation of good news. How does that relate to the church? Well, I'm going to ask you to do some work today. Take out the Book of Common Prayer that's in front of you. Open up, please, to page 855. So, the question is, on page 855, what is the mission of the church? Well, the mission of the church, go ahead. If someone wants to read it, they can. The mission of the church is to restore all people to unity with God and each other in Christ. Well, it seems like the fulfillment of Luke chapter 4 right here. How does the church pursue its mission? How do we pursue proclamation of the good news, release to the captive, sight to the blind? We do that as we pray, as we worship, as we proclaim the gospel and promote justice, peace, and love. Justice and peace and love as rooted and understood within Scripture. How do we carry out that mission? We carry out the mission through the ministry of its members, through each and every one of us. In other words, as Christian ministers, we are all called to go out of the confines of this church building to live into our deep discipleship of, of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, knowing the story, knowing our purpose, and doing our best to proclaim that good news. Whether you are a janitor, a school teacher, uh, a lawyer, um, a banker, a sailor, to identify with the needs of those who are so alienated from their sense of who they are, who are so despondent to offer the radiant hope of God's joy and love in this world. That's our purpose. We all have a responsibility to carry that mantle. But how do we do that? I think number three. It's about taking down barriers. Now, I'm going to say... The church, as it is in this world, is an all-too-human institution. We know the brokenness of individuals. We know that we are not like God. Sometimes we look with our eyes. We look at everyone's appearance and not at the heart. You know, I was, I was thinking about something uh, three year, around three years ago when I was... Um, when it was announced that I was going to be the rector of St. Anne's, I know the Bishop of Maryland visited, and he made this interesting statement 
that uh, you know he was surprised that a parish founded in 1692 could uh, have uh, an African American um, associate, a, a woman as a priest, and now call someone who has um, who is has roots in South Asia. I mean, he, he said, basically, he was not only surprised, but imagine, I don't think anyone in 1692 would have imagined that. Unfortunately, perhaps that is true. But let me offer this. That's because we as individuals are broken. God does not look at hyphenated identities. Let me just say that. God is not interested in our human broke the, the identity politics that have erupted and been created because of human brokenness. No, I think 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is quite clear. When we are baptized in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are one people. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female in the, in the variant in, in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 28. God does not look at any of those things. God does not look at hyphens. What God looks at is our common confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I think that if we are going to be the church, we must be the community where when we come to the table, while we may have our particular... Uh, identities, our particular uh, sense of who we are outside the walls of the church, when you come to this church, we are all equal in the sight of God, sinners who are redeemed by God's grace. God does not look at the fact that I am a South Asian male coming to receive the Eucharist. Like, God does not care whether you have an identity or another, because we are one in the Lord Jesus Christ. For God looks at the heart not at the externals. So, brothers and sisters, unfortunately, when the world looks at us, we, 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 we seem to uphold all these barriers, living away from the intentionality of God. But in God's time and in God's dispensation, we are called to strike down and take away those barriers so that all who come at the foot of the cross, at the throne of God's grace, can receive the holy body and blood. Not looking at the outside, but looking at the inside. That's when we live into our purpose as the church. So what are we called to do? Well, perhaps our call at St. Anne's, at any church, is to create and live authentically as a community of redeemed people, acknowledging our brokenness, brokenness yet, yet basking in the fact, basking in, in, in the words of, uh, of Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord, because the joy of the Lord is our strength. We are called to know our story, read your Bibles, go to evening prayer, daily evening prayer, go to attend the, the scripture study in Luke, read your scriptures at home, we are invited to go deeper into our story. To go deeper into living out our ministry in this world as people formed by faith. And we are called, we are called as God's children to strike down any barriers within and outside of the church. For we are not a tribe. 
We are a community of faith, of people redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. May God help us to live into that, to live into community as we, as we live through this pandemic. Amen.